edition, a late summer and late season edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Kyle Ulfreak and Ray Flowers with you as we recap all you need to know and preview all that you need to make sure you know as we enter the final month. The big push, Ray. It's finally here. September baseball uh, begins in just a couple of days and it gets serious for the real life guys and it certainly gets serious for us in the fantasy world. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just about ready as soon as we get done with this podcast, actually, uh, I'm going to start uh, jumping in on the final rankings update for fantasyguru.com for those people that have forgotten or didn't know. Uh, the first of every month all season long, I update all the rankings and it takes a couple days and it's, you know, it's not I move three guys around. I, I start from scratch every time. So trying to figure out September is often very challenging with everything that's going on and it will be this year as well but at least this year Kyle we don't have rosters expanding to 40 players it's only (laughs) adding a couple so removes a little bit of the uncertainty there you know two things there and I want to start right with what you said on the rosters that that's a fairly significant change for baseball and you know for those who are trying to protect whip our ERA I I don't know how it's going to work out Ray we may get some more IL stints we may see teams that are kind of running away with it like I don't know, the White Sox or the Astros, maybe they um, find a way to, quote unquote, injure some of their relievers Mm -hmm. uh, to give them some time off. And they call up guys from the minors because you used to be able to just hide those guys if you wanted to rest them. It didn't matter. You weren't really taking up a roster spot because you had 10 other pitchers that you could turn to with the expansion to 40. But that is huge. Only getting two extra players. And I think that really could affect pitching over this next month. Yeah, it absolutely can. And I'm sure it will. Uh, and it's been something that I've been harping on with you in, in articles and in the chat room. It's that, you know, this in order to win this year, unless everything just broke right for you, you're going to have to manage September aggressively, right? You're going to have to do that. It's going to be very rare that there are many teams out there that are just going to have their, you know, their eight pitchers and that or nine pitchers, excuse me, and that's it. And they don't have to make any moves because guys are going to start seeing tandem starts. Guys are going to start seeing starts truncated. Guys might see starts skipped. Uh, yeah. There's a lot that's going to be going on. And just because the roster is only expanding by a couple spots doesn't mean that they won't be calling players up, as you suggest. So there's going to be a lot of management that leads to a championship when we talk about the month of September. Oh, man, being in a playoff setup with kind of a do and die scenario, um, you've got to follow everything about pitchers and about rotations and who is set to go, who's been scratched, like you noted. Because if you fall asleep for a day, you may miss out on the guy who you thought were going to start and, and boom, he's not starting. Like LA is notorious for this. Mm-hmm. Like the last two weeks, the Dodgers, sure, they got Max Scherzer, uh, but they've been protecting pretty well everybody else. They've been giving me extra days to, to Bueller. There are some days where you think it's going to be this pitcher and then they decide to go with a bullpen game. And that's a, one example. Now, the second thing I wanted to touch on, Ray, but going into this last month, and this speaks directly to your rankings. We have so many bad teams, and I think this happens, especially in the last decade. This happens every year, but like looking at teams like Baltimore or Washington or Miami or Pittsburgh or Arizona, these kind of teams, the difficulty for you is looking at these lineups and looking at these players, guys that you would not have touched way back in April, but all of a sudden, these guys are getting called up from the minors, are guys who are has-beens in the majors are now playing every single day. It's pretty wild to look at these lousy teams and trying to guess what a true value is for a certain player over these next 30 days. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say that you should follow the rankings with as gospel, and if you do, that you're going to win, because it's it. there is some guesswork involved. Uh, the sample size is smaller. The playing time situation that you brought up is completely up in the air. 
And it makes doing any type of analysis extremely difficult because, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about some crappy ass teams out there. There just are. And, you know, it would make sense that some crappy teams like the Orioles is a prime example who are like, I don't know, what is it? 41 games at first place, whatever it is. 41 and a half. Yeah, okay. Right? Okay. Shouldn't, shouldn't rob them of that. Um, they should be playing every youngster they have, but they're cheap and they're not playing every youngster they have. Where's Adley Rushman minors. You know, it's like, where are all these young arms minors? So it is tough because though, though in the old days you would think, well, you know, we get this thing's pretty, pretty clearly stratified for the playoff hunt. We kind of know what teams are doing. We don't know if teams out of the race are going to shut everyone down. We don't know if they're going to stick with what they're doing. We don't know necessarily which direction they go. Uh, I think, I think in particular teams that are really out of it, you know, the twins, the Orioles, Marlins, these kind of teams really have dangerous situations with the, the pitching staff. So the players, there's a little bit more certainty with, but yeah, it's going to be a mess, Kyle. We will be here uh, for the month of September. Obviously, we're with you today, but we'll be doing our best to follow everything that matters to you, the fantasy player. And as always, uh, hit up Ray on Twitter at Baseball Guys or head over to the uh, chat room at Fantasy Guru. That sucker's always open every single day, raising there oftentimes helping people with lineups or pitching decisions. So it's all there and available. And of course, part of your subscription is uh, indeed the podcast. Let's get to our starting nine for today. Uh, this is the one through nine batting order that we got for you here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Leading off with which fantasy players deserve the loudest boos in 2021? Um, this is a list that will not include injured guys. Okay, so we're, we're not going to pick on the guys like Anthony Rendon and these guys who've been injured. These are guys who actually played and they just haven't been good. Um, kind of following up on the New York Mets players booing their own fans. So we're, we're going to take it out on some players uh, here today. In the two-hole, old, boring, overlooked, but really good. We'll talk about Salvador Perez. And then in the three spot, old, boring, overlooked, and still really good. We'll talk about Adam Wainwright. So a hitter and a pitcher in the two and three spot. Player profile, I think it's worth revisiting. Wander Franco, the guy has a crazy good on-base streak going. So much hype in the beginning. Um, kind of dissipated after a week and a half or two weeks. Is he back? What are we seeing now that we've gotten a couple of months of Wander Franco? We'll talk about that. In the five hole, we'll check in on the Sirius XM host league. Kind of slow on the waiver wire this weekend, but we'll tell you some of the winning bids there. Some news and notes in the sixth spot. Uh, highlights from Rob Povia's weekly planner at seven. Random reference at eight and stamp of approval comes your way at nine. Ray, we lead off by following up on uh, one of the big storylines coming out of the weekend. Uh, you and I were both chuckling about this uh, yesterday when we were on Sirius XM, but uh, the Mets players have taken to booing their own fans when they get a hit. Now, how are they booing? I think it's as simple as giving the thumbs down. And again, this is to their own fans. This is to the people paying their salaries. Uh, Ray, they are tired of being criticized. So now they are criticizing the fans. I don't know if there's any fantasy ramifications here, uh, but as usual, this could get ugly. In, in New York over the next month that the team's already fallen off the path and DeGrom's probably done for the season. Uh, who knows where this goes in the next month for the Mets players? Yeah. He, I will predict the following that Javier Baez will not be in New York next year. He's not going to sign there as a free agent. I will predict that because of his actions here, and I'm going to call him the ringleader of this. I don't know, but I'm going to call him the ringleader of this. Um, his status amongst, you know, baseball executives is going to go down. Um, I saw someone tweet out, by the way, his last 162 games, he has like 200, 
20 strikeouts and like 20 walks. Like it's just, this guy is, you know, I, I don't know what's going on here, but you can't do what they're doing straight, straight up. Can't do it. And, you know, these players that, you know, Lindor is involved. And I never thought Francisco Lindor would be involved. Like, dude's always smiling, always happy. He's a great leader. Everyone loves the guy. I get it's been a rough season. But when you sign a $340 million contract and you <laughs> suck, you're going to get booed. Yeah. I mean, it's not. You aren't the first guy, Lindor. <laughs> yeah. it's And, you know, if you didn't want to get booed, you should have gone to the Mariners. Like, the I don't have any sympathy for these guys, really. I mean, I get called names. I get made fun of all the time, every week, for doing what I do. I get it. It sucks. And I want to yell back. And you and I talk about it. I want to yell back. But you can't do it. And so uh, I don't know, like you're saying, I don't know if there's, you know, we're recording this in the morning on Monday. I don't think the team does anything. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if there were suspensions levied. I don't know what the CBA is and, you know, what they can actually do. But I wouldn't be surprised if the team, you know, took some action. They already had Sandy Alderson come out in the press and say, this is just not acceptable. Steve Cohen came out and said, it's not acceptable. I mean, you can't have open revolt and they got it, Kyle. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of discussions behind closed doors right now. Hey, shape up or ship out kind of thing. Um, it got us thinking, me especially, um, let's do our own booing. If they're going to boo us, the fans, let's boo them, the player. And, and Ray specifically, let's boo the fantasy player. And, like I said, um, I, I tried my best to eliminate guys who've missed, you know, 20, 30 games or more with injuries, which I will say it kind of eliminates so much pitching, Ray, because there are very few pitchers who are like, I, I mean, they're out there, but there, there aren't a ton of guys, Ray, that are pitching and they're disappointments. And yet they still go out there every five days throughout the season, you know? You know, they're, they're usually the disappointing pitching is always because of an injury, like 90% of the time, or the team just dreams up some injury. But there are a couple of guys on the pitching front that I want to start with, um, and both are veterans. Um, and I guess you can give them credit for taking the hump every five days. But, Ray, I think Dallas Keuchel and Patrick Corbin deserve some booze. And, you know, Keuchel, he had a super 2020, and some people bought into it. I know you really didn't. But he's been a huge letdown. And Patrick Corbin, I don't know what the hell's happened to him, but he's a disaster right now. Those two guys, again, they're out there every day. We don't know if there's an injury or not, but they've been really bad for fantasy players. Yeah, Keiko was solid to start, too. He was doing Keiko-like things, right? He was being effective. He was going his five innings, giving up his two runs. Problem with him is he doesn't miss bats, right? So we know that the line for him in the fantasy game is small. We also know, as you suggested there, that there was regression coming because he certainly was over his head last season. Uh, but the last month and a half, he's been awful. Like, it's not bad. It's awful. And, you know, when you when you throw 88 miles an hour and you're a ground ball pitcher and you don't get the ball down, you give up a crap ton of homers. I mean, he's already allowed more home runs this season than ever before. And he's had seasons where he's thrown almost 100 more innings than he's at right now. And, and you look at his, his game log, and it's just in multiple games of late with three home runs allowed. Like, oh, my gosh. So he's, he's just not getting the ball down. And he can't be effective doing that. It's that, it's that simple. And, and, you know, he is to the point where, you know, if you're starting him, same with Corbin. If you're starting these guys in fantasy, yikes. And yeah, you've got to be. Uh, like, yikes. I dumped Corbin. It's been like five weeks ago I dumped him in a 12-teamer. Mm -hmm. I, I was just like beyond belief. And with Keiko, I don't know how anybody could be holding on to him going into September. Yeah, agreed on, on Keiko. And Corbin's the same thing. And, I, you know, I've seen a lot of players talk about this, actually. There, there's quotes out there and stuff that, you know, don't get on Corbin's 
behind because he busted his ass for this nationals team, you know, in 2019. And it's like, okay. And he threw a lot of pitches and I don't know if he, he damaged his arm or not, but the velocity's down. The slider's not as sharp as it has been. He's had some nice outings that pull you kind of back in every time you're out, but overall he's been bad. And I, I, I held on for half the season and said, you know, mm-hmm. faith, 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 and an all-star break hit. And it's like, no, I'm just done. It's just, you can't. <laughs> and it, it, you know, for the listeners, it was too long of a hope. I admit it. It didn't turn out well, but again, he was, he seemed like in, again, in, in June, three runs, one run, two run, three runs. He walked four guys or three guys over the course of four starts. It looked like, okay. And then he went back to just being crap. Neither one of those guys at the moment has anything going for them other than they get the ball and they throw innings. So there's always a chance for wins, but yeah, heading into September, just really, really rough. Yeah. The second you on Corbin, I was like, I, I looked at the big three coming into this year, Ray. And to me, the price tag was too high on Scherzer and on Strasburg. I was wrong on one, totally correct on the other. And I kept saying, you know, Corbin's the guy I want there because he doesn't cost near as much. And I still overpaid for Patrick Corbin. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was, so so I was I was wrong on two out of three with the Nationals. Of course, the Nationals themselves were wrong everywhere. Uh, they've blown that whole team up because it was a disaster of a season. But uh, Corbin and Keuchel, two letdowns. Hey, it goes without saying Blake Snell uh, could be on this list, although I know there have been a couple of better games, but we picked on him. So I'm not, I'm not going to bother with him Ray there are a lot of hitters here um because unlike the pitchers the hitters will stay on the field you know they'll, they'll keep playing through it they'll try to figure it out and the names that kind of jumped to me and I you know maybe one or two of these guys people were counting on to be all-stars but other than that they're just bad this year like DJ LeMahieu terrible Eugenio Suarez my goodness what a fall off the cliff um people may not recall but Christian Vasquez was seen as like a top five catcher Entering this year, he's been a d- disaster. And a couple of shortstops. I mean, Paul DeYoung has lost it. Elvis Andrews might be the worst hitter in baseball. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., Ray. I, I remember people getting hyped about JBJ going mm-hmm. to Milwaukee. He might be the worst hitter in the National League. But let, let's start with Suarez and LeMahieu, because those guys were drafted everywhere, Ray. And mm-hmm. it just has not clicked at all. Even with the Yankees kind of figuring it out, LeMahieu at the top of the order, I, I guess it's gotten a tad better, but the overall numbers are, are just such a fall off from those MVP level seasons that he had. Yeah, the, the, the truth is with a with a hot final month, his numbers would look very DJ LeMahieu like if you take out the last two years, right? Like it, he, he, is he a 20 plus home run guy? He's not. And it certainly looked like he was the last two years. And everyone got excited about that piece the lineup the ballpark I've I never bought into him being a 25 home run guy that being said he's also not a 260 hitter right which is where he's at right now and it, it's one of those things that and we talked we talked about this frequently in in the preseason that there's a lot of evening out that has to occur here last season some guys were white hot Mayhew some guys were really cold I mean, if you look at LeMahieu last year and you combine it with this year, it's 173 games played, which is you know obviously more than a full season, but it's a 292 average with 19 home runs and 100 runs. Like, that's DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, loaded season, but yeah. unfortunately that season was 2020, not correct. 2021. Yeah, correct. It's, so it's, it's DJ LeMahieu in total. Last year he was a superstar. This year he's just a guy. So, you know, it, it, people don't want to hear that, and I understand it. And, you know, did I have DJ LeMahieu ranked higher than his production? Yes. 
has he lived up to expectations? He has not. But baseball is a game, I say this all the time, it's not a game of 10 days. It just isn't. And I think LeMahieu's run into that a little bit. I also think there's a, you know, there's a little bit of bad fortune there for, for a player that's actually walking more than ever before, who's got the same strikeout rate he's ever had. You know, there's still normal LeMahieu things. He just hasn't driven the baseball this year, Kyle. Yeah, and, and like Suarez, I guess, Ray, he gets a semi-pass. At least he's hitting home runs. But even that, I mean, 23 home runs is not what it used to be. So, you know, it's a, it's a bad season. This guy you were hoping would hit mid-30s and maybe he could get the 30 home runs. But, I mean, my God, Ray, th- this guy's hitting 170. And, and you were talking about LeMahieu, take 2020 and 2021. If you do that with Suarez, again, you get home runs. <laughs> but everything else is, is ugly. Um, I guess ribbies are good. I mean, it's over 162 games, but... I just can't get over, Ray, that the power is dead, the average is dead, and the on-base percentage is like 250 for A. Eugenio Suarez. And Suarez, you know, there was talk in the preseason, maybe he'll play some shortstop and everything. And, you know, guy that has the all-time record for home runs for a third baseman who also picks up uh, the eligibility at shortstop, that's a win. Like, that's exciting, right? Because it gives you the flexibility and everything. Um, he has been awful. I mean, just, and you know, I, the shoulder was, has been repaired. It's not, I don't think it's right. I mean, we have to admit at this point, it just doesn't look like it's right because, you know, his exit velocity is at a four-year low. And we're talking about a guy that's down three miles an hour from his peak, which is a big drop off. When you look at his hard hit rate, we're talking about a guy again, four-year low. We're normally looking at him being right about 44% the last three years. It's 38% this year. That's a 5% drop. Again, that's significant. He's simply not driving the baseball. I mean, he had isolated power mark of 275 the last three years. It's in the 190s this year. So when he's hitting the ball, it's just not going like it used to. The velocity's down. The, the, uh, the, the power is, has dissipated. The hard hit rate is down. Um, he's not doing anything at all. He can't beat out balls because he's not fast. So when he hits the ball on the ground, he's got no chance there. He's just become a really bad hitter he's become Mike Zanino and that's shocking Kyle yeah I mean all he's up there doing is trying to hit fly balls and maybe pop one over the wall and and like you said he's always been a free swinger he's always had huge strikeout totals but he hit the ball hard enough to where he could still get enough hits and do enough damage and find the gaps and that's gone and and I think you nailed it he's probably not healthy but he's playing every day uh, but you can't play him. I mean, you just can't. He's been dropped almost everywhere. Vasquez was really interesting, right? We haven't really talked about him at all this season. Um, and, and sometimes we forget where guys ranked. Like in 2019, this was a catcher who hit 23 homers, who hit 275. Last year, Ray, he was kind of the same guy. Shortened season, but he still showed power. He hit 280. OPS was 800. And all of a sudden, Ray Vasquez, and I know it's not going to win headlines, but again, if you're going to boo a guy at catcher, I think Christian Vasquez belongs there. He's played a lot this season, but the production has really um, just kind of gone into the shadows for Christian Vasquez. He's stolen eight bases, though. And because of that, he's like a top 12 catcher. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? Is yeah. He? <laughs> look it up. Look it up in the player rare when I'm talking, Kyle. Let me know. He's got five homers, 39 I'm, ribbies, and pull, 43 pull up, runs. Pull up the Rasball player rare. I know you, you know, have it, you have it bookmarked, but. Um, his bat has been a disappointment. He has not lived up to expectations. Um, again, the eight steals add so much to his value because no one runs anymore. So this, but you obviously aren't drafting him for eight steals. It's nice to get him. 
if he had 14 home runs and was hitting 270, it'd be fantastic. But his bat has been bad. Um, for him, the positives, you know, Grandal's been hurt. Wilson Contreras has been hurt. Gary Sanchez has been hurt. Carson Kelly's been hurt. You know, on and on. All these guys have been hurt as well. So he's not as bad at his position, you know, relative to it, even though he has been bad and has not lived up to expectations. Yeah. Um, outside of a guy we're going to talk about here later, uh, passing on catcher, I'm still for it. <laughs> still for there's like one good catcher this and i know there are other good catchers but uh, in terms of going after catchers such such a waste i i think of time uh these other guys right i don't want to waste too much breath on you know you know it's fun to boo guys but if it's going to make me tired why do it um elvis andrews paul DeYoung, jbj all i'm pointing out ray is those guys are pitiful now is, is there a saving grace here for, for these guys, is, is there a Christian Vasquez, eight stolen bases? Kind of, like, these guys are bad across the board. Bad across the board. I won't waste your time trying to talk you out of that. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right on that one, guys. It, it, and Andrews is finished. JBJ is finished. Is DeYoung finished, Ray? I, I, I'm here in St. Louis. Yep. I think the team's going to go out and probably get involved in the shortstop game this mm -hmm. offseason. Um, I think they're going to move on from DeYoung. Well, I, it's so disappointing, too. I added DeYoung in a league because he became available on the waivers, and I thought, you know, okay, right. I'll get some power up the middle. And for a week it was good. And then it tank city and now injuries. And he is, he's a very flawed hitter. Um, he's actually very much like Eugenio Suarez, right? Like he's got power and you know, he pops still popping the long ball. All that's fine. But you know, he, he doesn't walk a tremendous amount. He swings a lot. Doesn't put the ball in play. He's batting average on base. Teams will always find a use for him, but is it, you can, is he the type of player that wears his welcome out? I think the answer to that is probably yes. Yeah, he's a one-time All-Star, finished yeah. second in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, but here at the age of 27, almost 28 now, uh, just seems lost. Like, totally has plateaued. Um, just not the same dude at all. Okay, let's move to the two-hole and let's turn the booze into some cheering. How about that? Um, old, boring, overlooked, but Ray, really good. And we're going to start with a hitter that way. We got to give it up for Sal Perez, right? I mean, this is an MVP level season we're seeing from Sal Perez. And I saw it mentioned over the weekend. Don't look now. I, it's not Piazza, Ray, mm -hmm. but this is like maybe a top 10 catching season of all time for offense. I mean, he, the, the home runs, the ribbies, he's not going to hit 300, but this is out of control with Salvador Perez right now. It's out of control. Uh, it keeps going. He's hitting home runs like on a daily basis, five games in a row or something like that. Um, what, what's really interesting is that, I mean, what, how many home runs does he have at catcher? It's like 28, 26. He only got 26 home runs as a catcher. So, I, you know, I'm not, I can't sit here and say that the, the numbers aren't stupendous and he's catcher eligible, but let's be clear. You know, it's, he's got 12 home runs as a DH. It really helps a lot. You know, Piazza could have DH'd. I'm sure his numbers, you know, would have been better, but that's not to take anything away from Perez yeah, he's who played over a hundred games yeah. this year yeah, yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, Perez, it, it, we have an entire month of the season left. He's basically at his games played level that we're used to seeing. He's at 129. Cause he's, as you've noted before, played basically every day. Uh, that's usually where we're at, but he already has career best in home runs, run scored RBIs. I mean, this is, and you know, you go back to last season, he was, you know, he hit, every bit as well as DJ LeMay did last year, and he carried it over. Um, it's remarkable because, as, as you know, Kyle, that, you know, he doesn't ever walk, never walks. 
He's actually striking out a bit more this year than ever before. It's 26%, which is not a bad number by any means, given today's game. But, you know, a guy that doesn't walk and that's striking out a career-worse rate, you just wonder why pitchers are still throwing balls in there for him to hit. Because mm-hmm. he is his his batted ball beta is massive. He is crushing everything he is hitting, and he's had a fantastic fantasy season. Is it going to matter next year? Like when we sit here and rank catchers, Ray, um, I guess he'll be number two. I guess Real Muto will still be ahead of him because Real Muto is younger. Um, Real Muto, I don't think, has hit every expectation this year. But, I mean, this could be a catcher coming off a 4,100 season. Mm-hmm. And I bet he's not ranked number one anywhere as a catcher next year. His ability, or I guess better way to say it, his durability is legendary for the position at this point. It's not, historically speaking, no. But, you know, he plays 129 games every year. And so, especially if the team is willing to let him DH all the time, which they've done this year to make sure he stays in the lineup. You know, if he's getting 500 at-bats, it's such an advantage because so many other catchers that are taken as catcher ones are at 375, maybe maybe 400. So even if the batting average falls to 250 and he, you know, he's popping 29 home runs, he's still so valuable. So I think his value is in the stability. We'll have to wait and see what ADP says about this. But I would caution anyone that when we're talking about a guy who will be 32 next year, you know, a guy that, you know, is coming off his best season that he's not going to repeat that we want to pump the brakes a little bit from getting out of control with him. I mean, he is going to lap Real Muto in home runs and ribbies. Um, he's going to beat him in runs scored, um, beat him in average probably. But the stolen bases, right? I guess we're back to Christian Vasquez. I mean, Real Muto has eight. Perez not going to have any steals the rest mm-hmm. of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, I mean, you want to make this case for Real Muto. And I, he's been fine, but. Right. This again just speaks to catcher. It's like, why am I paying up for Real Muto? And and we question this coming into the year. And I hope nobody does it next year. Do you think people will still be doing it? Will they be paying up for Perez and Real Muto? It seems like such a waste for people to get in that game. It does. But, uh, you know, Ramuto has been hurt about seven times. I mean, really, he's been nicked up all, all season long. I mean, to me, the investment in the catcher game makes sense. When you have values attached to the player, if Salvador Perez is a 14th round pick or something, or he's six bucks or whatever, right? Because he was hurt. And okay, if you're talking about a redraft scenario, I'm just not, I'm just really not interested. I mean, you, we're sitting here today on, you know, August 30th, right? As of today at the catcher spot, there are three catchers, three that qualify for the batting title. They just, hmm. they don't play. It's Romuto, Perez, and Christian Vasquez. They don't play. And with the holes that so many of these guys have, you know, they're hitting 240 or on base percentage is 292. Like, do you want them having 500 at bats doing that? Eh. So I, I'm not I'm not in on investing in catchers, and I'm certainly not in, in doubling up at the position on draft day. Well, and if you look at the guys who've succeeded this year, I guess you can say this, right? The, the catchers we thought were the best, you can probably say they have been the best, Perez, Smith, and Real Muto. Mm-hmm. So there's there's part of this that says, well, hey, we nailed it. How, how the best of the best? What do you know? They're the best of the best. But we also have like Eric Haas in there. I think Narvaez would be almost in any ranking. Tyler Stevenson would make the cut. Um, gosh, probably Jan Gomes. You mentioned Vasquez, uh, Buster Posey, of course. Rebound. I mean, what was he? Posey was like the help me here. What was it like the 16th catcher yeah, off the board? Definitely outside the top 12. And yeah, he's been fantastic. Mike Zanino, don't, I don't know if you mentioned his name or not, but he's he's been tremendous. You 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 look at the position, like I said, and it's just, I mean, 
it's messy. You know, it really is. Tyler Stevenson's a perfect example. Like Tyler Stevenson and T- Tucker Barnard as a duo have been all-star level offense, yeah. uh, offensive performers. They've been great. And Tyler Stevenson, what was his ADP? 23rd at the position and he's top 10 right now. It's, you know, I think it's a lot like the tight end position in football. You know, we, like you said, we were basically right about the guys at the top. Okay. But after that, it's a lot of kind of all the same kind of muddled. Some guys with some more power, some guys with some batting average. The trick of it really is staying on the field. And that is something that's so difficult to do for catchers. So when we talk uh, old, boring, overlooked, I think for hitters, the guys who uh, the guy who has been most astounding is Sal Perez in the three hole Ray. Let's go to the pitchers category of this old, boring, overlooked, yet really good. And lo and behold, today, August 30th, this pitcher has turned 40. Today is the birthday for Adam Wainwright. And Ray, dare I say, Cy Young level kind of season in the National League. (laughs) You have to say it. I know in the fantasy game, there's actually in the fantasy game, there's actually a lot good here, Ray. There's wins, there's ERA, there's whip. It's the fact that he's pitched 170 innings. Even his strikeouts are up. Like Adam Wainwright has been a godsend in the fantasy game this summer. He has. And he is, as you said, 40 years old. The last five years, he has a 4-5 ERA and a 1-4 whip. So we've got a guy who's almost as old as us, who has not even been league average the last five years because his strikeout rate's like seven and a half per nine innings in that time. Somehow this year, it's all changed. He is back to pitching as if it's nine years ago. And it's wild because we all knew coming into the year, there was a good chance that Wainwright would be able to take the ball and be effective, right? He takes the ball, gives you five innings. You hope he gets six, maybe gets quality starts here and there. But the level that he has pitched to is astounding. There's no one in the only reason anybody would have drafted him, Ray, is if they listened to all of us talking, they said, well, gosh, people are telling me I need to worry about innings. Right. And so I'm going to get Adam Wainwright as my ninth starting pitcher. Yeah. Like, that's the only people drafting this dude back in March. And, and even those people doing it, it would have been like, ah, eh, don't do it. You know, re- I mean, let's be honest. There, there, there were no reasons, given his age, given his career workload, and given the, the five-year trend, there was no reason to draft him. And so those kind of players oftentimes perform, and we're like, wow, that's cool. It doesn't happen when they're 40 years old. Like you're, like you're saying, this is this – is, a remarkably underreported story with Adam Wainwright because his numbers, when the season is over, people are going to be surprised when they go to the leaderboards and look, and he's all over the place, uh, just wild. And I, I wonder even the people that have him right now, Kyle, how many of them actually, when they picked him up, you know, it's like, if you go and you look back, he gave up six runs in his first outing. You know, and no one. So if anyone had drafted him, he was gone after one outing. So, mm-hmm. I, and then you look and, and you look even further, you know, a couple outings after that, it was five runs in five innings. A couple outings after that, it was six runs in, in four innings. I mean, I, I think that, you know, basically he's been terrific since the start of June, but anyone that was involved the first two months probably doesn't still have him. Well, and, and I've been lucky enough to watch his entire career. The guy's a lifelong Cardinal. He was traded as a minor leaguer from the Braves to the Cardinals, but every major league game he's ever thrown is with the Cardinals. And so, Ray, I've got to see almost everything. And I, I wasn't interested in him this year. Um, now, for the Cardinals, he fits. You know, it's a guy who eats up innings. Again, I think for a real-life team, you want a guy like this. But what amazes me, Ray, is like you watch him, and there's nothing overpowering here. It's nope. like pitching. 
He's just a pitcher. And what I find so astounding about that is right now we go crazy for these guys who throw 98 um, or have filthy stuff. And, you know, we, you know, we have these crazy Twitter gifs, you know, that you throw out there and everybody goes and like Adam Wainwright's never going to get that. But while everybody else is breaking down or getting blasted for runs or they're sitting there with a four and a half ERA and they're walking guys all around the ballpark, like Wainwright is just kind of making a fool of everybody else in baseball. It's like, why does nobody else do this? And I, I guess, there, you know, there's Kyle Hendricks and Keichel's had his moment who we talked about earlier, but it's just crazy to watch Wainwright. And you're like, why aren't the hitters able to hit this guy? And, and, you know, they, they're, we get so fired up about hard throwers and Wainwright's got none of that. Like he's lucky if he hits 91 with his fastball, it's fun to see an actual guy just as a pitcher. We've talked about how much the game has changed and how we have to adjust, but to actually watch a pitcher, like just kind of outsmart an entire lineup is fun to see every five days here in St. Louis. Yeah. And, and, you know, he does one thing really well and he's always been effective at doing that. And that's getting ahead. Oh, one. And I know I bring that up sometime and people, you know, the whole at bat changes when it's one or one, the whole thing. And when it's oh one in his favor and his 64% first pitch rate is, you know, above his career mark. When he gets ahead, now he's got, well, he's got five pitches. He uses, basically uses four of them, but he's got five pitches. He can now use his entire arsenal. And that's a huge advantage over hitters. And every hitter is ready for 96, right? They're ready for sliders and splitters. And he's not that guy. So I think that his look is different because he's still pitching like it's 1990. I think that, again, getting ahead in the count allows him to use his whole repertoire. And you're right. There's no velocity here. It's pitch mix. It's location. And it's guile. And, and we talked about it with Perez, right? Like going into next year, no one's going to care what he did this year, are they? I mean, it, it, you're not going to rank him in your top 30. Nobody is I mean, right. amongst pitchers. I, I, Ray, I don't even know if he'll be in the top 50 because who wants a 40-year-old uh, in their top 50? That would be like an SP4, SP5. But the numbers bear out. He's not a stud fantasy guy, but he's a really good fantasy guy this year. But it probably means nothing come next spring. Yeah. His left on base percentage the last two years is about 79%, which historically speaking, like a handful of pitchers are remotely close to that year after year. And it's like the Kershaw's Scherzer's of the world. It's a huge number. You look at his batting average and balls in play. It's about 250 the last two years. That's way too low as well. Right. You look at his strikeout rate this year, it's a three-year high, but 8.3 per nine innings with a 22.8% strikeout rate, those are below league average numbers. So when you start looking at it, he's been very fortunate with guys left on base. He's been very fortunate with batting average and balls in play. And he doesn't strike out a league average number of batters. And he's in his 40s. Like, there's just, there's no reason to get aggressive about it. You know, and it'll be interesting to see where he is rated. Because again, like you said, the performance, not just this year, last year too, he was very good. The performance that he has put up there the last two seasons will suggest that he should be drafted much earlier than his ADP will. Ray Flowers is heartless. Today, he got into his 40s, Ray, and you're already hitting him with that tag. I mean, yeah. my God, can the guy just celebrate a birthday without you telling everybody he's a geezer? I'm getting close to leaving my 40s, Kyle, so no. Anytime <laughs> anyone's in there, they're getting it. I didn't realize it was his birthday today. Wow. Yeah, man. today's his it birthday. Is. <laughs> Ray is already. Sorry, Adam. Out. This guy's 40. My God, he's 40. A uh, little love for the old guy. Sal Perez, I think he turns uh, 32 uh, coming up next year. Uh, Wainwright is 40, though. Let's see. We talked about Keichel and JBJ. 
Guy's getting old. Guy's getting old. Let's let's talk about somebody much younger. Uh, in fact, somebody who's not 40, he's not 30, he's barely 20. Uh, Wander Franco in the four hole Ray player profile. And we spent a ton of April and May and June talking about Franco. And then he finally got called up and, uh, it was, it was a pretty decent, uh, first week, Ray, And then he kind of just faded, uh, the, the numbers, you know, the start was nothing outrageously great. Um, even people said, wait a second, I thought he was the best prospect in baseball. Wanted to revisit Franco because right now it's an ongoing storyline, this uh, very, very long on-base streak that he has going. It's nearing 30. That's not a hitting streak. It's an on-base streak. So walks, errors, you know, reaching base, hit by pitches, all that. But, Ray, now that we got a bit more to look at with Wander Franco, what are we looking at? Uh, The numbers have certainly improved. Uh, Again, 20 years old and having a measure of success. Perhaps he's made the adjustment. Uh, that baseball had for him when he first came up. What do you see when you look at Franco right now? Yeah, I see one of the few young guys that was supposed to be a can't-miss-at-the-start player this year perform, right? We've had a lot of these guys not. I think that's gone underreported because we've had, obviously, strong rookie performances, but, you know, Kalanick, the You think that goes to the missed year of development last year? Because you're right. It's like 90% of the rookies have failed. Yeah, I, I think that... Well, I'll say this. I can't rule that out, Kyle. So I, I don't know the answer, but I can't rule it out. I think it's very likely that that is some some of this has to do with that. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, I also think the way the world was a mess, you know, the way they they were game action. All I think all of it plays into it. Yes. Can't quantify it how much. Mm-hmm. Um, Franco started slowly. And as you mentioned, he's been terrific. He's, you know, I think top five all time for on base streak for a player 20 years or younger in baseball history. So like I don't have negatives to say about him at all because he is a performed and B has been solid. I will say though, that if we're going to keep it real, let's keep it real on the podcast. If we're keeping it real, a 38% hard hit rate and an 89 mile per hour exit velocity and a 6% barrel rate. That's all league average. There's nothing there to get excited about batting average or balls and play league average, isolated power league average. Um, he he's been good for a rookie. Has he been good overall? Yeah. You know, not really. Um, it, it is different because, as you as we're noting here, the first 20 games he played were kind of garbage, and then it's really improved. I think that overall he gets a B plus. I think this is really good stuff. But it's still we're at a point where you know a, a 150 game pace for him would be 18 home runs and six steals while hitting 270. Like it's eh, you know it's okay, but you can get Carlos Correa doing better than that. So yeah. you know it's been good, and, and it's, it's been great for a 20 year old. But there's still more to grow. Uh, he's going to be a eligible at shortstop for sure next year. He might get third base, depending on your standards. I think right now he's played eight games there. So if you got a 10, he may be able to get there in September. Uh, you know, we're talking about Wainwright, Perez. I, I wonder where we're going to be at with Wander Franco, because, Ray, he is a guy that is playing a position that's frankly loaded. There's a lot of talent, like waiting on Franco at shortstop in, in his first full year might be a plan that a lot of people make, you know, and, and I'm just guessing here, maybe he's the ninth or 10th shortstop, which is not based off what he did this year. It's based off what people think he can do as we move forward. Uh, do you think he'll crack the top 10 based off of the expectations of growth next year? If he continues in September, the way he was in August. Yes, absolutely. Um, if he keeps doing in September, what he did in August, he'll be a top 50 pick. 
and then it's I got a feeling you're going to say that's way too high for you. Well, you know, and again, like you're talking about the position, it all depends how it plays itself out. But yes, I'm, you know, I'll I'll wait 40 picks and take Dansby Swanson. I'll wait 60 picks and take Glaber Torres. You know, I, that position oh, don't is, do that, Ray. Don't. Oh, do that. okay. Maybe not. He might. Well, it might be 120 picks for Glaber Torres. You know, um, it'll be fascinating to see because you're you're right. I mean, you look at that position. And it's got stars: Turner, Simeon, Tatis, Bogart, Story, Anderson, Bichette. Mondesi. Well, let me stop you there. Let me stop you there. Yeah. Trevor Story. Yep. He's not going to be in Colorado. He's going to be somewhere else. Is Trevor Story going to be sitting with an ADP higher than Wander Franco next year outside of Colorado? I should. I, he should, he should, but it's not going to surprise me if he's behind Franco. Yeah, and that, and that, in this is the game we play in fantasy. We play the game of what could be versus the game of what is. And that's that's you know, you and I have bemoaned it for well, years. What is, what is he's out of Colorado? Well, yeah, and what is is he's a consistent twenty twenty guy, you know. And and you know, when Wander Franco steals four bases, and you know, next year Trevor Story because he's out of Colorado steals twenty eight because he only has seventeen home runs. He's more valuable in the fantasy game. I mean, that's especially in an era where guys don't run. And we talked about it earlier in the podcast today with Christian Vasquez. You know, 20-plus steals is, a, is 30, 40 steals years ago. Like, it's such a huge advantage that it, it's, it tilts the rankings or it should tilt the rankings toward guys that run. And, and, again, Franco could steal 10 bases or something. He could. But, you know, we're talking about a guy who's doubling or tripling or quadrupling his steal total next year in story if he stays healthy. So I, I would still be going story. Speaking of 20 still, since you brought it up, only nine guys are there thus far. Um, Marte has 42. He's been awesome there. Uh, Whit Merrifield's been exactly what you thought Whit Merrifield and Trey Turner, although Turner's only got 26 steals, lower total than people might have thought. Um, Cedric Mullins is in the 20 club. Uh, Tatis, Miles Straw has made it. Uh, so everybody who took a shot on him, that's kind of paid off, frankly, uh, with Miles Straw, Tommy Edmond, Bo Bichette, and Shohei Atani. That's our list, Ray. We're probably going to get Jose Ramirez there. We'll probably get another five or six players, I'd guess. So we're probably looking at, you know, 15 guys getting 20 stolen bases when it's all said and done. Yeah, and Story's at 17 right now. He needs four home runs and three steals in a down season to go 2020. Um, it's interesting. We got a pitcher on the list that's where we're at in 2021 <laughs> a pitcher is on this list and regular everyday players aren't uh let us move along to the five hole in our starting nine on the baseball elite podcast we always like to check in on that serious xm host league uh the money left on the waiver wire in this league not so much fab money is running out i i looked at it ray and and i, I i'm doing well right now um you can see the standings I've I've made I've made a ton of progress in the last month. Um, I've got guys injured. I'm not really seeing anything on the waiver wire. They're all like chancy guys as usual. And and I kind of thought to myself, you know, why shake it up if things are going well? You know, even some guys on my bench, like I'm I'm still holding on to Jared Kellenick and I've got Jaron Duran. I mean, I know these guys aren't necessarily good, but I, I've still got them because they're playing every day and maybe the talent clicks in September. I don't want to give them up. So I didn't do anything on the waiver wire this week. Um, I don't think you did either. Did you make any bids? Or were you kind of just sitting quiet this weekend? Yeah, I sat quiet this weekend because we had guys coming off the injured list. So, you know, Paddock's coming off the injured list today. We got Alex Bregman back. Um, so the moves were taking guys that were in the lineup okay. in you know, 
releasing them to get those guys active. So we didn't do anything on the waiver wire, but we did make some moves. Yeah. And there, there was nothing really shaken on the waiver wire. I mean, everything was one and two bucks. Uh, JP Crawford, Emmanuel Rivera with the Royals. He's had a decent run. Uh, I saw Lucas Sims went for a couple of bucks, Andrew Kittredge. And I, I think at this point, Ray, we always talk about, we'll have money late. Um, there's also the realization that what are you looking at late? Um, and, and really, I think you're making your one and $2 bids on maybe two start pitchers or maybe some guys who have landed in the eighth inning and they're getting some strikeouts or, hey, I need some stolen bases. So I'll spend a buck on this dude. Maybe I'll get some thefts. Um, there, there's players to be found, but it's very specific to the owner and what they're kind of needing to maybe move up the rankings. Yeah, and that's obviously the way this should be done, right? You should be, at this point of the season, you need to play categories. Uh, you don't want to give up a superstar by any means and let them on the waivers or anything like that. But if you've got seven outfielders and you need help in the middle, you know, go grab whoever's out there. You know, Andy Ibanez would have been a big target this week, right? If he hadn't gotten hurt, maybe your targets, Jonathan VR, because maybe someone let him go because they figured the Mets were getting healthy and everything. Jonathan VR is eight for his last 15. He's hitting 333 the last two weeks. So maybe he's a guy. So yeah, you've got to play categories. Um, as much in your opponents now, as much as just trying to roster the best team that you can. So pretty quiet on the uh, waiver wire side of things there. As we go to the six hole, speaking of guys coming off injuries, we're sitting here on a Monday, uh, Corey Kluber returning tonight uh, back for the Yankees. Ray, I've got, I've got no expectations for Kluber. You, I'm, I'm not. God love him if he comes back in September and pitches well, but um, even in leagues where he's available, I'm not really interested. I, I think it's going to be pretty difficult for him to, to be an impact guy over the next four weeks. Agree. Um, just, I mean, you don't know, right? You don't, but it's a tough place to pitch at home. He's missed a lot of time. The stuff isn't what it once was. He doesn't miss bats like he used to. There's all the health concerns, which are legitimate. He has last three years are more injured. Than yeah. Health, right? yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could strike it rich and, you know, he has four great starts here, but he does not profile as someone that's greatly intriguing to me. Uh, Noah Cindergard, keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Ray, we're down to the final month of the season. We've yet to see Cindergard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now it's COVID. And hey, if you held on to Chris Sale, it's working for you. Uh, if you held on to Noah Cindergard, Ray, it's not working for you at all. And honestly, when he comes back, it's, I'm almost leaning towards thinking he's out of the bullpen and like he's going to throw mm -hmm. eight innings in the final month. It's like all those people who just held and held and held it. It never worked with Syndergaard. Yeah, it didn't work with Syndergaard. It didn't work with Luis Severino either. Uh, Chris Sale, it, it's working. But again, that was two months after we expected him. So he's going to make 10 less starts. And we were hoping th those guys are coming back from Tommy John surgery. It didn't work this year. And in the case of Syndergaard, he's had the setbacks. And we hear, oh, the doctor's telling him not to throw a slider. And we joked about that. Well, duh, we were saying that four years ago. You can't throw 93 Don't throw mile. your number one weapon that yeah. makes well, you know a Syndergaard. You, you can't throw a 93-mile-an-hour slider. All, you just, your arm's going to blow up. And it did. And now he's got COVID. And so I don't even know if he throws eight innings in September. So, yeah, he's just been a complete and total bust in 2021. Um, sounds like the Nationals, right, are going to call up uh, Kibert Ruiz, mm -hmm. who was uh, a part of that Max Scherzer deal, one of the best catching prospects in all of baseball. So we should get to see him a lot in September. We should. And uh, he'll be in the rankings, obviously, for the month of September, September 1st, when they come out in a couple of days. And uh, I think that given his success, the minor leagues, which is tremendous success, um, he's got to be someone that everyone adds if they have the opportunity to still do that. If he's not, been, he wasn't picked up yesterday. Um, he has the potential to be a catcher one the rest of the way. And we talked earlier that may not be greatness, but he has the potential to do that. Trace Barrero, Barrero was sent down. There's no reason for Ruiz not to basically play every day. 
Uh, look at his numbers at AAA. They're tremendous. He might be the number two offensive catcher in baseball in terms of product uh, prospect status behind Adley Rushman. Uh, he's the guy we got. So, um, yeah, Keeper Ruiz is absolutely a must-add off the waiver wire, and he's absolutely a start. And if he hits well in September, Ray, going into next year, he'll be a top-10 catcher, I bet. Yes. He'll, he'll be listed a top-10, I think. But no, he's got a – you know, and by well, what do I mean? You know, if he pops four home runs, drives in 13, and hits 270. <laughs> that's that's going to be enough to get people thinking he's a top-10 catcher. And those aren't any kind of uh, stupefying numbers, but I think that would kind of lift him into that realm for 2022. Uh, Ray, one other note, and this kind of references back to what we touched on at the very top of the podcast. We mentioned pitchers who could be skipped or could have delays or they find a way to IL a guy just to rest him. Um, Tim Anderson might be a hitter where we could see a lot of that in September. He's, he's had a kind of a nagging leg injury. It sounds like it's been with him for the last three, four weeks. And he, he sat down for a few days. They brought him back. Then it didn't react very well. So he'll sit a few more days. I wonder how much we'll see of him in September. Um, I think if the White Sox have their druthers, they might be resting him for the postseason. So if you own Tim Anderson, you've been getting a good player. And, and that is one guy to keep an eye on. How often is he in the lineup down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, they're like, what, seven games behind the Rays uh, for like the best. And they're record. like 10 up on yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. So they're kind of a no man's land. Right. right. They're, they're, they're unlikely to move up. And the Astros, by the way, are right ahead of them and wins, too. So, yeah, I think it's very possible that they might just sit back a little bit and say, look, we dealt with all these injuries. We weathered the storm, if you will, with all the guys early. Anderson is such an important piece of our team. He, he seems to be like the emotional leader of the team, right? They all really do feed off him. They can't afford to have him go down with a significant injury. So at least in the short term, I agree with you. I would not be surprised if we see him have some start skipped and, and hopefully it's something that he can you know manage versus having to take a rest. White Sox, uh, 20 games over 500 as they go into the new week. And that leads us uh, to the Next spot in the lineup, number seven, uh, Rob Povia, of course, has the weekly planner article over at Fantasy Guru. And Ray, one of the things he brings up there is the Chicago White Sox. Um, only five games this week. It's kind of a weird week for them. They, they have a couple of games against Pittsburgh, a few games against Kansas City. But with five games, I wonder, I guess maybe Anderson's an easy set because you think the White Sox may take it easy on them. These other guys, it's kind of hard to sit. The Abreus and, you know, the the Roberts and the Jimenezes, you can't really sit those guys with even just a five-day uh, week for them. Yeah, I mean, I we all hate to we all hate to sit our best guys. And, you know, it, it's difficult to do it and feel confident unless there's an obvious reason to. And five games, I mean, you know, as Rob points out, there's a lot of teams with seven games. The Mets even have eight. You know, they're... At this point of the year, we were talking about playing the categories and, you know, you mm -hmm. have to make that tough call is, you know, five games of Abreu better than seven games of Jonathan Scope. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough call. I, I would agree with you that in general, I think you've got to keep rolling those guys out there, but there might be some people out there with some questions that could go in the other direction. And, and a guy like Tony La Russa, he may even sit some of these guys on either. I think they play Tuesday and Thursday. Again, like they're off Monday playing Tuesday off Wednesday and playing Thursday. That's kind of the weirdness here. And Ray, I could easily see LaRusa saying, I'll, I'll sit some of these guys on Tuesday. In effect, I'm giving them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then even part of Thursday off. Like that's a gift to a veteran. So a guy like Abreu, who knows? And that's an NL ballpark too. 
Um, I think they're at Pittsburgh. Maybe I should double check that before I bring it up. Are they? Oh, no, they're home against Pittsburgh. Okay, so no DH. But still, Ray, the point remains, he could sneak another off day, and all of a sudden you're playing with like a four-game week for some of these guys. Yep, it absolutely is possible. And so, you know, we got the chat room open. People can ask questions in there. And obviously, at Fantasy Guru all the time. And Mondays are always, always a tough day because I have to make a lot of calls for folks and hope that the right ones. And, and yeah. the, the biggest issue is, like we've talked about, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, is they're going to be in the lineup. And, you know, I think we've just laid out a pretty compelling case that even though the White Sox are only playing five games this week, it's possible that some of those guys only play four games. So definitely something to consider. Rob also over at fantasyguru.com has uh, the two start pitchers, at least as they're scheduled to be for this weekend. And one thing we haven't done in a while, Ray, is, is talk about uh, difficult decisions with mm-hmm. two start pitchers. So let me throw a couple of them at you for this week. Uh, Charlie Morton on the road against the Dodgers and on the road at Colorado. Yeah. Do we have to talk about him? Um, I mean, (laughs) mean, he's been pretty good this year. He's been very good. And his production would suggest start. Now that's, that's a bad mix. I mean, I have Drew, I have Drew Smiley as the last guy in my staff in the league. And I dropped him this week. Cause it's like, he hasn't been pitching great. He's struggling to go five innings. I'm looking at the Dodgers and the Rockies. I'm like, I'm not pitching this guy. So um, Morton's on a different level, obviously than Smiley. I think it really does come down to, how much do you need the innings and, and what are your expectations here? Uh, on the surface, I'd say it's probably 55% start, 45% sit, but two games on the road, Colorado's one of the spots the dot that's, it doesn't get much more difficult than that. And, you know, we don't want to have a guy go out there and throw six innings, give up nine runs. I mean, and that is something that could happen this week with Charlie Morton. Yeah, I think I, I get to this point and like whip and ERA, that those are the places where if you have a bad outing, you can really slip. And I know everybody wants wins or maybe some strikeouts and you say, well, gosh, Charlie Morton could get 10, 11 innings this week and maybe I get 13 strikeouts. Maybe I would get two wins, but I, man, the ratio hit. I mean, it could go just as badly the other direction. So that one's kind of worrisome. A couple of more that maybe aren't as worrisome. Alex Wood gets Milwaukee at home and the Dodgers at home. Would you roll with him? Someone asked about him this morning, actually. Um, I would say probably. I think my confidence level in him would be higher than Morton. I said 55 for Morton. I'd probably go 65-70 for Wood. Um, I will say, though, that you know he, he's been a, he's, he has been a much better pitcher at home. Um, his Woba, there's like a, what, 70 point difference at home. So that that's significant. Um, there's always the risk with him of, you know, not going five innings, not getting the W, that kind of thing. But he straightened things out after a rough patch there. I'd be pretty confident with him. One more, Josiah Gray, uh, the rookie against the Phillies and against the Mets. Both of those are home games. And for those who haven't been following it, Washington is a pretty uh, hit pro hitter kind of park. Um would you give the rookie the nod? Six starts, 12 home runs. And you look at him, and there is not a more fly ball prone pitcher. 59% fly ball rate. You can't do that in 2021 baseball. He has been extremely fortunate to date that even when he's allowed the home runs, it hasn't resulted in a blow up effort. Um, the strikeouts are there, the talent is there. He's been throwing innings. I'm reluctant, though. I just am. I, I keep writing about this at, at Fantasy Guru that, you know, there is a blow up, terrible outing coming. I, I'd probably still start him this week, but I'm nervous. Yeah. Well, people have been maybe holding on to him or picked him up, spent some money on him. 
uh, to grab him. And you get to this point, you're like, yeah, I'm going to use this guy. But uh, as Ray noted, man, those home runs could really sting him. And you got a couple of teams with plenty of power bats in the Phillies and the Mets. Okay, so that's a look at Rob Povey as weekly planner. Again, that column and so many others on the baseball side available over at fantasyguru.com. Uh, all of Ray's work, he's up there uh, each and every day breaking things down. So check out all of those. We go to the eight spot here on the uh, Baseball Elite Podcast. It is time now for our random reference over to baseballreference.com. And we click the random pages and we just see what we get stuck with. And uh, hell, let's just go with this, Ray. We got the Giants at the Dodgers. And th- this is like prime Ray Flowers time, I think. September 25th of 1982. Uh, this is Giants at Dodgers, so you weren't at this game, Ray. Mm. I don't think you were. Nah, um, this is kind of in the midst of Fernando mania. Did yes. you hate Fernando when when you were growing up? No, I never did. Um, okay. it, it, the media hype wasn't. If it was today, I probably would. <laughs> but the media <laughs> hype was there for it was out of control. He was one of the first faces, kind of of the new wave of baseball. But ESPN wasn't a thing. There wasn't the internet. It wasn't like in our face. Yeah. So I didn't hate the guy. I thought it was kind of cool that, you know, he had the, the dumb looking hair and he looked kind of goofy out there and he's throwing up screwballs. And it was just, it was kind of cool, even though he was a Dodger. Yeah. I was going to say, because he's a Dodger, I thought you'd hate him, but yeah. um, he was pitching in this game, September 25th of 82, got the loss ah. against your giants. Um, I got to say, Ray, there's a dude getting the save here for the giants. Greg Minton mm-hmm. Had 30 saves one year for San Francisco. I don't even think I've heard of him. You've never heard of Greg Moonman Minton? I don't think so. Oh, well, yeah, it's because you're not a Actually, there's a part of me that thinks I have. Okay. Man, he was, God, he was with San Francisco for like a decade plus. My goodness. 13 years. Yeah. He uh, had a great mustache. He wore uh, basically like, uh, what are those, like, called pilot's glasses, like the big, you know, top gun, but they were glasses. They weren't sunglasses. They were just his regular glass, huge glasses, a huge mustache. Yeah. Moon man, he, he was a piece of the, an important piece of the giants bullpen for years, top 25 MVP finish, top 10 MVP finish that this year we're talking about, by the way, in 1982, top six Cy Young. Uh, it was wow. obviously his best season, but yeah, he was, I, I'm from here. So I, of course, remember <laughs> yeah. him, but he was, he was around, like I said, 13 years with the club. Yeah. The other part of that, that Giants team was pretty good back in 82, by the way. Um, now both the Dodgers and Giants came up short. I think the Braves won it in 82, the NL West. Yes. Atlanta was in the NL West back then. Um, that Giants team has got, you know, it's fun to look at these names, right? Joe Morgan mm-hmm. uh, playing for the Giants and Chili Davis, Jack Clark, Jeffrey Leonard. Bob Brinley was on that Giants team. On the Dodgers, you had Dusty Baker, Pedro Guerrero, Steve Garvey, Mike Socha. I mean, Rick Monday, who's still in the booth now with the Dodgers. A lot of recognizable names from this game. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're my age, this was, you know, if you're my age from California, like this was all this was life. Like, right. The Dodgers <laughs> and the Giants. Uh, but like you said, these are names that are my childhood. So they're just like I hear I have I can tell stories of, you didn't mention Johnny Lamaster who signed my a2000 Wilson glove at, when I was seven years old at the Foster City Little League sign up day I mean so it's just it was uh it was the, the prime time of my youth it was a great matchup a lot of names that everyone that's a baseball fan will remember too Jack Clark went on to star with your team in St. Louis a little yeah. bit later of course but uh Jeff Leonard and uh flat down and all that with the, the Cardinals a lot of history there Kyle yeah Joe Morgan got his 22nd stolen base of the year in this game he actually finished with 24 i bring that up because he had 24 stolen bases in 1982 at the age of 38 
he was getting 24 yeah. stolen bases. Is that, is that good? Yeah. That's pretty good. Is that, is that pretty good? Yeah. Better and, than Otani this year. That's yeah, right. And and by the way, um, still got on base. Look at that on base percentage. 400. Woo! 400 on base 38 percentage. years old. Yep. Pretty damn good baseball player. Good random reference. I know we got had fun jogging uh, the Oracle's uh, memory banks there. Uh, number nine, Ray, stamp of approval. Uh, please tell me you're going to give your stamp of approval to dog parties. Right? You know what? I wasn't, but because you said that, I'm going to switch <laughs> on the fly and do it. Doggy birthday parties. Kyle L. Frank thinks this is very odd. There is Our puppy has made friends at the park, not just with dogs, but my sniffing others made friends with the other owners. So there was actually a birthday party. I think this is friend probably number maybe four out of the maybe three. There's like a group of five dogs that he's really close with, including his best friend uh, who was at the party, but it wasn't for the, the birthday of the best friend. But uh, yes, uh, there, there was a birthday party. We did attend. There were about 15 to 20 dogs that were there. And because you said that, I'm going to post a picture of the pup. Uh, who had his birthday with that birthday hat on in the article on the website. You know, I can, I can rest. I don't know how long this podcast will last over the coming years, but I will never give a stamp of approval to a doggy birthday party. That's don't have to worry about that. Uh, my stamp of approval is, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Didn't I mention going to the farmer's market in St. Louis? I yes. think I mentioned that. Yes. We were back there this past weekend, Ray. But this weekend, I'm not giving a stamp of approval to the farmer's uh, market. I'm actually going to give a stamp of approval to uh, two old timers across the street uh, from the farmer's market. Probably, I say old time, I'm guessing upper 60s, low 70s, which my father's probably listening to this and saying, wait, so that makes me a super old timer? Maybe, I don't know. But Ray, these guys, you know, it's hot Saturday. I mean, we're out there probably about 1030 in the morning and it was already pushing into the 90s. And uh, these two guys were dressed to, not to the nines. They weren't full head to toe dressed like they were going to a wedding, but they were dressed well, sitting out at the park. Uh, there's a park across from the farmer's market and they were in the shade and Ray, they, they were sitting on their nice lawn chairs, just hanging out in the park. You know, you're allowed to do that. Everybody can do that. Just hanging out. And Ray, they had their, um, not a boom box, but kind of a, a larger speaker okay. that was sitting between them. And it wasn't, you know, aggressively loud, but you could hear it, you know, it was good. And they were playing some like 1970s, uh, like late seventies funk R and B. They were just sitting there having a discussion, enjoying life, watching the people go by. And I said, you know, this, this reminded me of something I would see in the seventies. If I were around is guys hanging out at the park, listening to their music, letting everybody else listen to it too. Not causing any issues, just having fun, enjoying the day. And it's like, this is the way you don't see this stuff in 2021 of people like rewinding the clock 45 years ago to when you'd spend a Saturday at the park and you bring your music and you just hang out there and you weren't doing anything. They weren't drinking. They weren't eating. None of that. They're just hanging out at the park, having a discussion and listen to like cool in the gang. (laughs) These guys got it figured out on a Saturday. So they get my stamp of approval today. Cool in the gang and boombox. Like you kind of had me on hello there, Kyle. Yeah. That is our stamp of approval. And uh, that pretty well takes us to the finish line of this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Uh, Ray, into September, where can the people find you? Yeah, they can find me at the site, fantasyguru.com. Uh, you can find me in the chat room. I'm still there uh, helping answer people's questions. We've obviously got the rankings update that we've referenced earlier. It's coming out September 1st. All the players, all the positions, all re ranked. Um, also at fantasy gear, we of course have got the football product out. There's still plenty of time before the season begins. So if you haven't got in, don't feel like you, you missed out. 
Uh, we're here to help you. We got all the rankings you need, all kinds of information on best ball leagues, dynasty leagues, PPR, non-PPR, IDP, all of that stuff over there at, at uh, fantasyguru.com. And then, of course, at elitefantasy.com, elitefantasy.com, we've got the DFS game. And Kyle, you're still involved over there helping out uh, with the uh, the live streams. We help people still win money in baseball and get prepped for football season. Yeah, a lot of stuff still going on in baseball. DFS still a big thing. Uh, people can make a lot of money here late in the season. And uh, football, you mentioned it. We just got done here in the last couple of weeks going through the preseason games. And now we'll start to turn our attention uh, to the end season, uh, week one, week two, and beyond in DFS. And we got some new live streams, I think, that go up kind of particularly focused on the NFL slate. So Loads of things there. I'll be handling baseball. Who knows uh, where else you can find me? Of course, Ray and I pop up every week here with the uh, Baseball Elite Podcast. Find us over on SiriusXM as well. Uh, that will do it for us. Uh, for Ray Flowers, I am Kyle Elfrank. Hopefully we did it for you today. We'll see you back here in a week. It is the Baseball Elite Podcast, courtesy of FantasyGuru.com. 